Welcome to the Art and Science of Complex Sales. This is a podcast where we explore how the best B2B sales leaders make the complex simple, drive relationships and revenue, and generally elevate the sales profession. In this podcast, we're bringing together sales experts, thought leaders, top account executives, buyers, industry insiders, all to share their experiences and best practices for navigating the complex sales cycle. So whether you're a seasoned sales professional, a sales leader, or just starting out, you're gonna find practical insights and actionable advice that you can apply to your own sales journey. Plus, we have a bit of fun. Oliver Tufney is fascinated by what makes businesses grow and how to unlock commercial constraints. Over the course of his career, this has served him well. He's been at the forefront of creating scalable systems that drive revenue. Today at Immerse, he's focused on generating sustainable and actionable growth for companies across the spectrum of industries. He's living out a passion of his through coaching, training, and systems building, and the results speak for themselves. In our session, we dive deep into the culture shifts required of many sales organizations today and some of the barriers that pop up along the way. So let's get started with Oliver Tufney. Ollie, welcome to the Art and Science of Complex Sales. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, it's great to have you. Uh, you currently, uh, you just made a, a long journey over the pond, didn't you? I certainly have. Yeah. So we have offices over in Miami. So once a quarter, I come out here, see clients, do a little bit of strategy. Yeah. Do a little bit of sales development and then head on back. So once a quarter is the, the frequency that we're currently on. Love it out here. <laughs> So you have to be a soccer fan. Did you just uh, did you just come over at this particular time when Messi joined <laughs> when, he, when he joined uh, Miami? Do you know what? I'm not actually a massive soccer fan, but the amount of people that have been talking to me about Messi's current setup and how can't get tickets anywhere, uh, even people from Miami, primarily people from Miami that previously never seemed to care about football whatsoever, and now all of a sudden it's the, the number one topic. Well, I guess when you're the best in the world at something, it, yeah, you know, fame a little bit, uh, Travis a little bit, and that guy is, oh my gosh, he is phenomenal, just absolutely phenomenal. He's not paying us any royalties for you know talking <laughs> him up and that type of thing. I, you know, we I talk think his occasionally. pockets are already pretty well lined. <laughs> 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 yes, absolutely. Well, hey, let's get in the meat of the uh, the podcast. One of the things we always have in terms of first time users, let's set the stage and give me your base definition of sales. What is sales to you? For me, I think it's really, really simple. I think it's solving problems for a price. I think it's as simple as that. More often than not, when I'm speaking with clients, especially newer clients, I'm frequently throwing the challenge of how can I sell this? How can I sell this? How can I sell this? And I always go back with the same answer. And it's what problem is it that you're trying to solve? Solve that problem first and attach a price tag to it. And then the conversation will be 10 times easier than if you lead in with how can I make more money out of this conversation? So for me, that's really what it's about. Solving problems for a price tag. So that hasn't worked to you. You just call somebody up and you're like, hey, can I, uh, I need to make some cash off of this conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's amazing. It's something which is so, I'm going to say basic. I don't want to demean it. Um, but given that salespeople are quoted on hitting numbers, on generating sales, 
that is the common conversation. How is it that I can sell more in order to hit my numbers? And so given that's the baseline of thought, that can very frequently and very easily then bleed into the conversation. When in actual fact, oftentimes all that's needed is just a a little snap back into alignment where it's like, hang on a second. If you actually want to achieve that outcome, you need to reverse it and focus more on them rather than focus on you hitting your your number for the month or the quarter. It feels counterintuitive, but that's the way that it works. I just had um I just had a commissioned breath salesperson uh, give me a chat earlier or give me a call earlier in the day and it was so it was so evident. Like it was and it was one of those things. I get calls all the time. I'm sure mm. you get calls all the time. But uh man, it was evident that it was it was simply it was all about how much he was going to help me mm. and, like in the first two minutes before understanding even he didn't even know who I was and he could uh, understand exactly how he was going to help me and uh, that I had to spend I had to spend 20 to 30 minutes with his with his uh, sales engineer that would set me up with a free trial that would absolutely change my life um, <laughs> And give me, I, give me like, his number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that was it. It was like it was going to change my life. He was going to help me, but he didn't. He didn't know like the first thing about me or the problems that I was facing. So he's like, "Yes, CRO. I'm sure. I'm sure you are going to love this tool. I just got to get it in front of you." And it's. I was like, "I I so appreciate the persistence, and you're you're hanging in there with me." But the fact is, you don't know a single thing about me. You haven't done anything. Anything. Uh, to indicate that you know a single thing about me, so I'm not right now. I'm not interested. So, how are you coaching reps to get to that that problem state? Um, one of the the key things that we're doing is when facilitating role practice, which for us is always the the bedrock of coaching development. Playbook first, so we know what it is that we're coaching from, and then after that, role practice, role practice, role practice. And one of the things that we're consistently doing is do not propose until you found a problem. And then when we're running through that role practicing scenario, the temptation is buy this thing that I've got. Let me tell you about. But what we'll consistently do when facilitating that role practice is, whoa, whoa, whoa hang on, stop, start again. You didn't find the problem. You didn't find a real problem. And so initially, the framework that I always like is spin. So start off, what is the situation? What's the problem? What's the implication? What's the need payoff? Get through that in order to find a genuinely meaningful problem and then propose. But the temptation is always, but I got to tell them what I got. I got to tell them what I got. But if it's the case that you could have the best possible solution, but for a problem that they don't have, that's not a solution at all. And so just really ingraining that mentality, but through excellent questions, through uh, playbooks, and then role practice, role practice, role practice. I'd be interested in your thoughts on it. I'm going to go back in history, but I used to have this, I used to have a company that, that I would, um, we'd train, we'd sales as service, so we would train reps uh, continually. And, but that was absolutely, like that was critical in the development, which was you'd, you'd just be on, you'd do it in role play, and then you'd be next to them. Some people love this. Some people hate it. But you'd be mm. next to them with a mute button, right? When they are on a call, it. when they're on a call, right? And you're saying, yeah. "Hold off, hold off, hold yeah. off, hold off, hold <laughs> off." Like I know you think that you have found the issue, but 
but uh, they've just told you, you know, they haven't told you anything. And so, mm. and I guess that, that word, use the word propose. I use, I used the word, you know, pitch or share, or we used the word emote, but it, it's, it's basically before I really know, I can give them a very high level, but I get it before I really know anything about their business. The high level is the only thing that makes any sense whatsoever. And then the other thing that I find to to work pretty well. So if it's number one, don't propose until you found a problem. What I two things here. What, what I frequently do is try and get the salesperson to reframe and say, "You are not when you're going into this call. You are not a salesperson. You are somebody who's purely going in." to try and solve problems. That's it. That's it. And if you've not found a problem, you can't then talk yeah. about anything else after. But then what that links into really, really nicely is once you have found a problem, one of the common mistakes that tends to happen immediately after is then talking about the activity that they're going to do. Oh, we could do a planning session. We could develop you a strategy. We could set you up on our platform. All of that, like, if I'm a prospect, I really don't care. I don't care about your platform. I don't care about your strategy. I don't care about your plan. What I care about is having this issue that I've got right in front of me solved. So what we then often do to, to jump into the next piece is we've got a really nice little framework that we tend to use when we have an elevator pitch of introducing a product. And the framework that we always use is starting off with the outcome. We have a tool. We have a product that will enable you to fill in the blank. That is the solution to their problem. The way that it works is by, and then after that, getting into just a, one or two things, one or two things, which is the, the things which when they hear it, the prospect then goes, aha. Uh-huh. And that's what we're really looking for, like the aha uh-huh moment of how that input variable, that thing that they do equals that outcome. So it has to be something a little bit special and distinct. And the third piece is then the unique tailoring. So if it starts off with the outcome, then it's the activity, it's the unique tailoring. And this is where it's, I think this would actually be perfect for you because other clients that I've had that have been in a similar position to you have worked really well on this because. So something which evolves it from being, hey, here's my Chinese menu and I've got 50 different things and you can choose number 36. No, I think this one is actually going to be perfect for you because of bang, 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 bang. And so I find with that little cocktail of, or formula, I should say more so, of introducing the solution to the problem, it tends to be a really nice yin and a yang with identify problem at the appropriate point, introduce solution in that format and framework. It tends to work out really well. So that's one of the things that we're really hammering home with the coaching at the minute. That's wonderful. It's it's a good, simple, yet strong formula. I was uh, I was looking over at my right here because I was I was checking out LinkedIn this morning, and um, Anthony Iannarino uh, did a really strong post, and he said if I was if I was your sales manager, right, and it had essentially a lot of these items into you uh, mm. that you were just talking about there, so value over transaction, right? 
he'd emphasize trading value over, and that's what they're creating there. You, you're creating value for a person mm. when you literally talk, when, when you can solve a problem, you create value, and then you trade that value for something of value for them, which is their time, right? So, and being able to do that in that nice, simple formula you just outlaid, I think that's fantastic. So, how the results have been going with the people you've been coaching? Once they get it, Mm -hmm. phenomenally well the elevator pitch structure is the one which is easier to grasp when introducing the the question asking the consultant type mindset that's the one which is a slightly slower burn because it's the kind of thing that and this is one of the things that i observe a lot it's easy to give a rep five questions that they should ask there is budget what's the current scenario those types of questions that that's very very easy What's less easy to train and ingrain is what's the third, fourth, and fifth order question that comes Mm -hmm. in after you found out what their pain point is. And that could be a challenge on whether it's around getting them to make a decision. Okay, cool. So that's that's the challenge that's been identified. Tell me more. Then after you get that piece of information, what do you do with that? And how do you navigate into a different direction based on the the input that you're getting in terms of responses that's something that takes a little bit more time because it's almost a consultative selling it's a consultant type mindset of when i hear this i think that when i hear this equals that problem equals this potential solution and that's really where you're getting to with great quality questioning to be able to get to ultimately the real root cause of a problem that you can then provide a solution to but it's it's not like you can just say, here's five questions, just go and ask these, and then you're, you're solid, because it's, you've got to go deeper, and you've got to know what's the click point when you find, ah, there we go, that's it. Now I've hit the nerve, but that's something which takes a little bit more time. So the elevator pitch thing, you can role practice that, and then they can get it up to speed really quite quickly. Obviously, it depends on if the client's got a large number of products, it takes a little bit longer, more things to remember. But once you're comfortable with the formula, that's the part which I think is then really cool. Because then you can apply it to anything. It's modular. You know, you, you know the component pieces, and then it almost just happens without even thinking about it. But the, the consultant mindset and finding problems, that takes a little bit longer. I just, uh, for other people, I just released uh, an episode with a guy named Alan McGuire. And mm-hmm. so we'll, uh, we'll try and put the link to that one in this comments, but he runs, uh, it's called ESI out of, he's, he's over near neck of the woods. He's actually in Dublin, Ireland. Oh, cool. Uh, but he is fo- focusing on really training relative to his problem that he saw in the market is, is a massive underperformance in uh, a skills, skills gap in salespeople. So hmm. because there's a big hiring People are having trouble finding people. Yeah, yeah. He believes that he believes that the there's a huge uh, gap in here, which I've, I've I've seen, which is it's around soft skills as well as basic business skills mm. because of the way that we've rolled out sales teams for the past twenty years, which is production line, right? Mm. We have we have we've looked at that production line in terms of sales and said, oh, here's here's the base five questions you need to ask. Do it a million times, right? But what you're talking about is really driving business knowledge and business value and consultation skills into a sales team and a workforce that can actually pivot and be creative with the information that they've learned instead of doing the same thing again and again and again. Am I right? 
100%. And if you think about it, to, to bounce off of that, more often than not, who is, and this is going to vary industry to industry, but more often than not, who is it that you're looking to sell to? You're looking to sell to the decision maker. More often than not, whereabouts does that decision maker sit within the hierarchy of the client organization? Generally speaking, it's closer to the top. If you're working with smaller organizations, it might be even the owner. Larger organizations, perhaps it's an exec. But even still, these people, generally speaking, have a very good knowledge of business. And so if you then, and the, if you think about the way that they would think about their problem, if you then take a rep, but can't process a problem and think about it in that same way, it's oil and water. It's two very different things. I'm, I'm trying to, I can't think through the way that you're thinking through, and therefore I can't provide the most appropriate solution. But to, what was the guy called from ESI? Alan, Alan McGuire. Alan, okay, yeah. So to Alan's point, like if they can think it through in a similar kind of vein to which their decision makers will be thinking it through at a higher level, more senior level, consultative level, then it's almost game over. It's disproportionately easier to then be significantly better than everyone else in the game because no one else is doing it. Mm-hmm. No one else is doing it. Everyone else is, let's get a script. Let's get a couple of key questions and hit the road or hit the phone. And while that's great, it's a numbers game, it's a numbers game, it's a numbers game. Sure, it is, but it's also a conversion game. And I'd much rather have less calls, much higher conversion, or less door knocks and much higher conversion. Or, you know, let's, uh, let's live in, um, in a wonderland. You could have high calls and high conversion. Mm-hmm. Why not? But I think it's a big missed opportunity. Yeah, no, I... I- I agree. I mean, it's one of those things that uh, I, I'm becoming a. I built a business off the SDR model, and uh, and then we we would continually take it further and further. We would see our our reps. Um, now, this is my previous company. But we'd see our reps mm. continually take it further and further and further, and be able to sell activity uh, because we we created an engine. It was just a training university, essentially. That was it was focused on driving leadership and excellence in into the reps. And one of the things hmm. that I'm finding, I'm, I'm interested in, in your take on this, is that because of that mentality, that here's the five questions and be a part of the assembly line, yeah, a yeah. lot of the reps, <laughs> a lot of the reps are not comfortable. They view themselves as the five questions in the assembly line, and hmm. they're not comfortable talking to the CEO. They put them on a platform. They put them on a platform that's way up here instead of talking to them as a... And I, you can't see me if you're listening to the podcast, but I'm pointing up. Uh, <laughs> but they put them on a the platform, which absolutely kills their ability to have a strong conversation. Yeah. How do you help people with that mindset? Like you're, you're diving in, you're helping them become better uh, solution sales, consultative sellers, ask the right questions, understand the business perspective. How do you kill the mindset of and help people overcome the mindset of, yeah, but it's a CEO. And I'm asking these questions, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love the question. I love the question. Well, for me, there's a couple of key things to it. And it starts off, I imagine a lot of your listeners and watchers will be familiar with Objective Management Group, OMG. So I think the first thing that you can do is show to a salesperson, black and white, backed in data, objective as in the name, you have this deficiency. You have this limiting belief. And it is just that. It is a limiting belief. You have the capability, you have the potential, you can do it, other people are doing it, but you've got this 
self-imposed glass ceiling that's sitting just about here and CEO conversation is here. What we need to do is we need to break through that. And I think before even doing any kind of coaching, any kind of conversation, just being able to demonstrate that to someone is already a breakthrough because it's then the realization of, oh, wow, this is something that I'm suffering with and experiencing that other people don't. And therefore, it is a changeable thing. It's fixed mindset versus growth mindset, something that we can change. So I think by introducing that initially, and then it really comes down to role practice, role practice, role practice. But the the key to it in this kind of scenario, and this is something that I've been banging on about a lot lately, when you're facilitating that role practice, are you having a general conversation with that rep? So you, it could be rep with rep role practice. It could be manager with rep, coach with rep. Are you just a general person or are you really assuming the demeanor and the types of questions and challenges that you would typically be getting from that CEO? And what you should really be doing is taking like what's happening in those conversations? What are, what's the type of pushback that you're getting? How far into the call that you're getting? Because if there's limiting belief mindset on speaking to CEOs, I imagine you're probably not getting that far into the conversation. And given that a lot of CEOs are driver type personalities, you're going to have the phone going down pretty quickly. So how is it that you can then shape what happens early on in that call? And how is it that you can have that confidence early on in that call? And so one of the things that reps can do is take the CEO of the company that they're working for, role practice on that person, because that's who you've got on the other end of the phone, and at least they're going to give you direct feedback. But if you can do that consistently, consistently, consistently with a feedback loop, it's one thing to to get punched in the face a hundred times and not being told how to duck, and then another thing being... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And another thing entirely, being punched once in the face and going, oh, you should probably duck next time I do that, and then go to give them a wallop. <laughs> yeah, that's... And then uh, see what happens. You you just described... You just, just the punched in the face a hundred times before you died. You described my rugby career. Uh, I never... <laughs> I, got knocked out, I got knocked out before I had a chance to actually uh, get in the game and learn anything. But... Um, so let's let's transition a bit because that, that is fantastic advice. And any anybody that is listening to this, if you're a sales manager or a sales leader and you're not having one-on-ones, and myself included, like I mean, I I've learned so much through these conversations. But get to that one-on-one. That is brilliant to actually practice on the person that you're selling to, right? 100%. So dive into that person, dive into who they are, what they do, how they do it, where they live. You know, what are the questions that you're going to ask? Not so you you know, it's not creepy. It's you're practicing, right? But let's get into the, the something I'm really interested. You are, you're telling me you're seeing a transition a lot in today's sales world um, and a team transition. So tell me what you're, what you're seeing out there in market and uh, how you're helping address it. Yeah. So one of the things, big thing, big thing is probably consuming 70 or so percent of our clients or say consuming there's conversations about 70 or so percent of our clients where this is um becoming real and that is where for the last couple of years teams and companies have been very fortunate with the market being buoyant what that's meant is that there's been a healthy flow of business activity and leads ultimately coming in and so what that's resulted in is people creating dynamite inside sales teams. Excellent at taking a lead, 
closing it, converting it, and then passing it off to an account manager or in some circumstances, keeping it themselves after. But now what's happening is market's drying up. There's less leads to be closing. Sales team are then, I'm not going to say sat on their hands, but there's less to do, but there's still the overhead that's sat against their name. And now it's all of a sudden, okay, well, we've got a real top of funnel challenge here. I don't want to let the team go. How can we take that team and somehow shift them so then they're focused outbound rather than just inbound? And this is taking a farmer into a hunter. They're very different mindsets, very different structures, very different types of activities, very different types of pushback that you're going to be getting. Yeah, like I say, the, the majority of our clients I'm having that conversation with. And it's funny because historically at Immerse, we've always been pretty adamant on like, look, these are two different beasts. Your outbound person, and your inbound person are not the same person more often than not. But we're kind of in a position where it's a, a needs must scenario. It's like, hey, well, we've got to figure it out somehow. I don't care if they're no normally not. We need to make them so. Um, and so it's amazing how much, how much isn't known about that outbound world. So it starts off with questions like, you know, okay, well, if we need to build a list, what does that look like? How does that work? And uh, I've seen like rookie mistakes where, there's, they're saying, okay, well, we've got 50,000 people in our CRM. We just put our salespeople on that. It's like, oh, my God, that's how demotivating can you get? You know, by the end of a really long week, you're a fraction on the way to infinity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, my God, just never-ending sludge. Uh, and there's no sense of categorization in terms of the the prospects within that list that we're going after. They don't have the tools that are required to then, because it becomes a, more of a volume game, which is very, very different again. And you're then managing data and you're managing who have I last touched when and what was the last touch point and what's the conversion rate from one touch point to another to getting that first meeting in. And how is it, this is a big one, how is it that we're actually structuring our time? Because when you're taking, and there's still an element of inbound that's happening with these people, but then you're saying, like, okay, well, how do we just take that same week but inject outbound? And if you just say to the rep, okay, here's your list, you need to start going outbound, I bet you an awful lot of money, that's the thing that gets deprioritized and gets pushed on to next week, to next week, to next week. And the reason for it is because there's a, a lower feeling of certainty around success. And as much as there's this person that's already in my pipeline, I'm speaking to them and I can do a follow-up call. I feel more confident than that than spending an hour just making random phone calls and hoping that one of them converts to something. And so introducing and really holding accountable to that structure. So, for example, having call sprints scheduled in where everyone's calling at the same time. We have a, a kickoff call at the start of the sprint. This is what we're going to be covering off. These are the types of prospects. These are good conversational hooks. And then we top and tail it at the end of the session. Everyone jumps on the call again. Okay, what did we learn? What were the key takeaways? What were the key areas of pushback? And we'll take that and then we'll build that into a, a coaching session for later in the week. But ultimately, what we're trying to create is a, a sense of camaraderie around the, the difficult activity of going from inbound to outbound, but also creating a sense of ownership. So one of the things that I've done that's worked out pretty well is taking whoever within the team seems to have a little bit of a flex, because naturally you're going to get pushback, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you take whoever in the team seems to have a little bit of a flair for outbound. So a little bit of a, a hunter DNA. Okay. All right. That person is our inbound, sorry, outbound champion within the team. And so what does that mean? It means it's up to you to then bandy everyone together. It's up to you to get the feedback from the team. It's up to you to help feedback to us in terms of where we might want to be refining the lists and so forth. So you've almost got a a grassroots movement because if it's the case that you're just giving instructions on activity, then you're speaking to the head, but not the heart. And so you'll have activity done, but it's checking boxes. I was told to do 50 calls. So yeah, I might do 40. Tick box, tick box, tick box. Rather than really creating a sense of ownership and accountability of, okay, now this is yours. You can make it happen. We're, we're, we're pioneering new territories here and we're going to do that together. We're going to figure it out as a team. When it's that kind of approach, I find it gets a lot greater buy-in. And I know it's a little bit of a, a softer piece, but with that kind of approach, it gets much more buy-in and it helps you get that jump off momentum. And then, of course, as soon as you get an opportunity come through the door, which is generated through outbound, you got to sing from the rooftops about that thing. As soon as the next sales meeting happens, boom, Jim, Jeff, whoever it might be, tell everyone about what you did. All right. And then how you took it from there to there. And obviously you want to have a little bit of extra commission in that to make it really juicy for them as well. And then just every point throughout the week, put them on a stage and make it so that everyone's looking at them and going, oh, wow, that's the thing that equals crushing it within our team now. And so it's a, it's a number of things like that that I've been doing and working with the teams. Um, and, and of course, then the number, I mean, I could give this list as long as you're on. Um, and also introducing the numbers around the activities. That's a, a big, big, big thing. Like previously, it was very much focused more so on, um, you know, what's the outcome that you're generating, i.e. revenue, conversion rate, deal cycle lag, so on and so forth. What's happening within the pipeline? What's sitting where? but a little bit less of a focus with the likes of AEs and inbounds in terms of activity. But of course, when you're then going outbound, that's really where a big part of the focus is because it's that what converts into the top of the funnel opportunities. So a lot of work around uh, CRMs, being able to track the activity of email sent, call made, um, and then of course, being able to listen into those calls to be able to give that quick feedback loop of, what's working, what's not working. Same thing again, you know, get punched in the face a hundred times. You want someone to tell you to duck. Yeah. So you, that's it. That was a lot there. So let me, let me break <laughs> some of that. No, cause it's, it's great work. It is absolutely great work. And I think it's, you're transitioning cultures. You're, mm. you're, that's a sales transformation right there. That's, that's a full, what you're talking about is full cultural transformation. Not, 100%, yeah. not necessarily, Hey, I just need, I need sales to do something a little different. Yeah. So what is that you mentioned you're going to get pushback? What is the pushback that you get? Like what what are the so in this transition? I mean, I I've gone through some similar myself, but what what do you find is the pushback that you get against against it? Uh the the classic one is outbound doesn't work here. Yeah, that that's that, no 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 no. Not in our industry, not in our industry. That's tell me why one. that's a yeah, tell me that why that's a classic. Dive into that because that's that's a fascinating one. Because in a lot of these businesses, particularly if you're in the worlds of like professional services, it's referrals, referrals, referrals. And it's classic because for so long, they've just had it so easy. They've had it so easy where 
there's been inbound opportunities coming in because the market's been buoyant. And so there's no requirement here. We, we don't need to do it. Or it doesn't work because there was one foray that they did previously. It didn't work out. And so, all right, well, let's shut up shop there and get back to what we were doing previously. Whereas there's a science to it. There's a science and there's a system and you need to be equipped with the right tools. Whereas what happens is when people have a go, that's literally all they're doing. They're having a go. Um, and if you try and do anything difficult through, I mean, I'm looking over on a tennis court just next to me here. Like if you were to just have a go once or a couple of times and you're up against like a, a Roger Federer or something, like no chance. You're going to go absolutely nowhere. And so then after a couple of drives, it's then a case of tail between the legs and ah, it doesn't work here. It doesn't work here. But just because there wasn't the right strategies and the right persistence put in place in order to be able to break through. But where we've got the good fortune now is I've ran it with enough clients and between myself and the coaching team, I've now run it with enough clients or between us, we've run it with enough clients that I can say with absolute conviction, like, no, I'm telling you it works. I'm telling you for an absolute fact it works. And if it doesn't, I'll pay you a lot of money. <laughs> I know it does. Um, and so if, if you tend to then be a little bit bold back, then it's like, okay, fair enough. It's, it's like the boldness of the salesperson saying it doesn't work versus the boldness of the coach or the leader saying, I'm telling you it does, make it happen. That's great. That's great. So you're talking about a, a strong culture banding together, mm. strong direction, strong vision, and a, a purpose statement is what I heard there on the, yeah. you know, purpose and a vision. Hey, this does work. It's just, it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's not easy. It's not easy. So you told me about one. Um, I'm interested in one other thing that you, we talked about prior to this, which is um, I'm interested in a ton. Well, I got to have you back, by the way. This is this has been a great conversation. So you're you're in the thick of this stuff. You're in the thick of this transition. You're in the thick of helping companies move. You're in the thick of transformation. What does a normal sales meeting look like? How are you moving steps forward with every with a person at every stage? You have the coaching. When you bring teams together, what are you discussing? Like, how, what are you celebrating? Yeah, I mean, thanks for the layup. Um, so within this here, it was really cool. If I could just back up for just a second. I was challenged by a client maybe six months ago, maybe a little bit longer. Super growth-minded, like most growth-minded client I've got. As much as they've got a very successful business, the CEO said to me, he's like, look, Ollie, we don't know what we don't know. And we're not attached to anything that we're currently doing. All we want is to grow. And we want to have the scalable systems and structures. So I'm happy to give you the keys, tear up everything, remove everything, put in anything you want, but just make it the best. So with regard to the meeting rhythms that we have, the check-ins that we have, the coaching that we have, the accountability that we have, motivation that we have, just create great for us. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. It's like you got the keys to a Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. And, and to someone like me, that's like, oof. All right, that's that's the Willy Wonka factory that you you better know what you've just let yourself in for. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll, challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. And the cool thing about that, so we run on EOS, 
uh, entrepreneur's yep. operating system for anyone that doesn't know it. Um, and I've previously had a pretty good knowledge of the likes of scaling up, and I'm really intrigued by the different systems and processes that businesses use to operate on. So within Immerse, we run within the world of EOS, L10s once a week, a very rigorous uh, meeting structure that is often considered as the backbone of that business operating system. And so then I was thinking, okay, well, when I think about sales meetings, Everyone has their own flavor of a sales meeting. So you'll often see the same kind of ingredients. You'll see there's a little bit of pipeline. There's a little bit of accountability. You might have some team updates. You might be turning up the heat a little bit. If the, if the guys are behind, give them a little bit of a kick. But there's nothing which is like best practice. And I've sat in across hundreds of different client sales meetings. And there's, I've never seen one where it's like, okay, they've got that as a system. So where we ended up going to was after I went in the garage and put on my, my, my mad scientist hat, uh, I was like, okay, do you know what? If I was to create this from scratch, I would create for every client two meetings a week. There would be one meeting which is focused on accountability, and there would be another meeting which is focused on coaching. Accountability at the start of the week, coaching a little bit later on. and within that accountability meeting after lots of different iterations came up with a framework which is called unpack and i'll walk you through the acronym but literally since developing this we've rolled it out across a number of clients and in every single one of them it's been transformational in terms of accountability transparency and the way that the salespeople uh, use their time and the level of involvement that's then uh, from the, the sales manager so it starts off with you which is updates. And the way that this is structured, by the way, is each person has eight minutes for them to present on their little kingdom within the sales function. And whilst they're presenting, the sales manager is then listening and auditing and will then be following up with questions after. But it's really important that it's the sales manager, that's the salesperson that's presenting, not the sales manager, okay? Because it creates that greater sense of ownership. So number one is updates, and that's updates in terms of whatever was committed the previous week as to what was going to get done. And that's updates on uh, pipeline. I said that I was going to commit to these things last week and actions. So these could be top of funnel activities. These could be sales rocks. These could be partnerships that are being developed. This could be scripts that were going to be worked on actions. So it starts off you updates. The next is numbers. And that is where the salesperson then takes three minutes to present their numbers. And that typically falls into the structure of what's the outcome? How am I doing relative to the week gone, the month gone versus my target and where I am, where I'm sat within my, my pipeline and equally the activities. And really what you're looking for here is I want to know that if your target is X and we're X far, Y far through the month, if you're behind where you should be, Everything else that then comes after, so the pack part of unpack, I want to know what it is that you're then doing in order to close that gap. Yeah. And again, it's about creating ownership. So the N is numbers. P is then pipeline. And I don't want to know everything that's in your pipeline. I just want to know what are the most critical deals? What are the most critical deals? And what are your seven day actions or seven day commitments for those deals? So 
I don't want to know that what you're generally working on. I want something that can specifically hold you accountable. And that's really the key to it, the specificity. Something that I can specifically hold you accountable to when I come back and we have this meeting again next week and you're giving your update. So that's pipeline. And then you've got actions, which is, again, the things that are above and beyond just working on deals. So that could be, again, working on scripts. That could be top of funnel activity, calls made, so on and so forth. And then where it gets really cool, and this is where it starts to um, really shake it up and create a lot of transparency, is C is calendar. And at that point, what we get the sales rep to do is then share screen on their calendar. And I want to see exactly how it is they're spending their time for that week. So where they've said that they're going to work on these deals and they have these actions, show me that in your calendar. Be intentional about it. When is that happening? How much time is it you're allocating for those things? If you said that you were going to have sales meetings this week, where are those meetings? How many do you actually have? It blows my mind how much of a lack of awareness management often have about what's actually happening within the, the, the time of the sales rep. So C, and then it's a, a double C because based on whatever was shared there, there will be areas of deficiency. There will be areas that the sales manager is looking at and going, ah, do you know what? It looks like this person or as a theme, there's a lot of deals that are lagging here. So the second meeting that happens later on in the week, the coaching session, that should be a reactive coaching session. That is a coaching session based on the common themes and observations that happen in the accountability meeting at the start of the week. And so that way you're always iterating and focusing on the, the most sensitive nerve, you know, the thing that's really going to move the needle. And so, like I say, we've rolled this out now across a number of different clients and it's been transformational when we've been doing it. Absolutely transformational in terms of creating ownership from the salespeople, in terms of taking, uh, giving back time to the sales manager, giving them better visibility, and then just meaning that they can be far more precise with the coaching and what it is that they're focusing on to consistently move the needle. So yeah, that's what we've been doing from a, a meeting standpoint, meeting rhythm standpoint, which ultimately creates a, a system of excellence, if you like, and an excellent culture. Great stuff. Do you dive in? Is the coaching session one-on-one? -on -one? Do you recommend it like afterwards during the week or do you do a group coaching session? How do you run those? Yeah, so there's really two points to it. So by standard, it's group. But, so the one thing which I didn't mention there, um, when each person is presenting their unpack, mm -hmm. if it's the case that, so specifically looking at the pack part, so after you've given the numbers, the rest of it is then saying, this is how I'm going to bridge my numbers, this is how I'm going to overachieve. If the sales manager doesn't feel at least an 8 out of 10 in terms of confidence rating, that their plan is going to get them back ahead of target, then they need to put in a one-to-one -one with that person. Great. So that they do that based on, and they do that based on just scoring the unpack part, right? Exactly. Exactly. So it should always be the case that no one is being allowed to dip without mm -hmm. intervention. And then the group so, coaching is, is for everyone. That's where you've got the role practice and so forth. But if it looks like one person is particularly dipping anything below an eight, then yeah, that's uh, that's requirement for intervention. That's uh, that's brilliant. So it's what I'm hearing is you're modifying you're essentially modifying the EOS principles, but you're doing it for sales, and you're really diving into that L10 type meeting where we're making it, yeah, we're making it known, we're making it efficient, and we're making the people whose job it is 
responsible for the job they're doing. 100%. 100%. Absolute ownership. Like this is your business within a business. And these are the different tools and ways in which to make that true. Well, I, uh, I can tell you our listeners are going to love this. And uh, thank you so much for sharing it, Ali. It's been, Thanks it's for been a pleasure. Me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, any final thoughts that you have? Uh, and actually, let's, let's change this up a little bit. I always let's ask any thoughts that you have. I learned something from a guy yesterday that I'm going to try. All right. So me. we're going to try. We're going to try a lightning round. We're going to end, and this may be the one and only time I ever do this on the show. So <laughs> listeners, listeners well, have to tune privilege. in. Yeah. yeah. It. <laughs> well, it, it could, it could crash and burn. It could absolutely suck. So, um, let's cut it out if it does. <laughs> yeah. We'll cut it out if it does. So yeah. Warning to everybody. Um, we're going to do, uh, the first word that you got to, I'm going to say a word. You're going to say the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. Hit me. Miami. Beach. Well, it doesn't have to be one word. It can be like, you can give a sentence on it. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> we should have set more ground rules. Yeah, yeah. I guess I got to have ground rules. Shit. Uh, okay. Um, venture capital. Aggressive growth. Um, aggressive growth. Okay. So, so to aggressive growth? Yeah. So that's the word. Uh, clear plan and structure. Awesome. Clear plan and structure. So um, sales leadership. Multiplying output of sales management. Sales management. Multiplying output of sales people. Best profession in the world. Hunting. Hunting for what? Oh, it's the, the abstract term of hunting, but it would be within sales. Hunting. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, how they reach Ali? Uh, O.Tuffney at immersesales.com. Are you on LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, LinkedIn, Oliver Tuffney. Awesome. Uh, and Ali is on LinkedIn. Uh, Immerse Group posts a heck of a lot. Please follow Immerse Group. Please follow Ali uh, and all the team over there. They are awesome people and doing fantastic work within the realm of sales. I hope that lightning round didn't fall flat on his face, but, <laughs> but it might have. There's there's quite a potential that it might have. So uh, I'll have to get so my funny. questions. I'll get my questions a whole lot better <laughs> off of that. So Anyhow, man, I, uh, I've loved having you on. Uh, it's been great changing, fun. Yeah, keep changing the world. Keep elevating the sales profession. And I will ask. Any final words for everybody? Uh, nothing above and beyond. I mean, it's a tough market out there. So I think one of the, the greatest things that you can do now is the time to innovate. So ignore the status quo. Treat it as an opportunity to shake things up. Just like we've been doing, we've been forced to go inbound to outbound. We've been forced to shake up sales meetings and so forth. That's not because it's just been something that we like to do. It's been something because, you know what, we're under a bit of pressure here. We've got to do something different. And so I think that's a really cool opportunity to look at absolutely everything that we're doing and see what else is there that we're just taking for granted happens as business as usual that we could be doing a little bit differently that could give us a disproportionate advantage. That would be the key thing I'd say. That's fantastic. I think that the ending clip is probably going to be the beginning clip that introduces that. That was really well said. So with that, everybody, have an amazing day. Uh, Thank you for listening wherever you are in the world. As you know, this is sponsored by Membrane, and uh, we are in the habit and the business and the vision of elevating the sales profession every single day. So we hope you got a lot out of this. Keep shining bright. And with that, we'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you so much for listening to the art and science of complex sales. This podcast is sponsored by Membrane and our partners from around the globe. Here at Membrane, we believe that B2B sales is at a crossroads. Due to decades of quantity-based prospecting, information overload, and really a shift towards efficiency over service and pitching over leadership in sales, customers are saying enough is enough. They're tuning out average performers and choosing to take most of the buying journey on their own. This results in up and down sales results, forecasts that are all over the place, and salespeople that are half committed due to the fact that they're having poor results and they have an inability to truly connect with customers. We believe the road successful companies are taking to combat this is threefold. Number one, training to create leaders and executives across all areas of the team with strong habits and sales methodologies that bring value. Number two, technology. Technology that focuses and helps a salesperson succeed and reinforces great habits rather than wasting their time on filling out fields for reporting or wasting their time on spamming customers that have no interest in ever buying. Third, talent. And I'm talking about talent that's empowered and emboldened to make a difference for their customers and their companies. So where are you on that journey? Membrane and our network of partners across the globe are here to help and to elevate the sales profession. We streamline critical technology by combining CRM, training and enablement, and more into one seamless platform. We drive best-in-class methodologies through our partners. They provide the top thought leadership methodologies and resources from across the globe. And our collective efforts are dedicated to recruiting, training, coaching, and empowering, and measuring the habits of the top teams in the world to ensure success. Join us at Membrane.com to learn more. And thank you so much for listening.